This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. So, welcome to uh, our Wednesday night Bible study at Christchurch, Jerusalem. We are studying the last words of Moses, that is, Moses' final words towards the people of Israel as they are about to enter the land of Israel. Uh, Moses' birthday is today. He is 120 years today, and it is also his day that he dies. And uh, so he dies on his birthday, which is rather unfortunate. Um, but sets up a pattern. And so we continue to wrestle with his encouragement, his warnings, his uh, commentary to the Torah. Uh, but before we begin, let's pray. And uh, as is our custom, and I'm so glad he's here, we will invite uh, our, our local ordinand, Neville, to, to lead us in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your provision in so many ways, Lord, and, and that your goodness uh, is beyond our understanding. So, Father, we pray that you would be with us at this time, Lord. Join our hearts together over the distances between us. And, Lord, bring us together in your name and by your spirit to understand more out of your word. Lord, we pray you bless this time and bless those who listen to it later. We pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, as is our tradition, uh, we go over what we spoke about last week. And uh, last week, we responded to a couple of questions that people have been been, um, uh, sending in. Particularly, in chapters 5 and 6, we had been looking at the Ten Commandments, or a retelling of the Ten Commandments, looking at the differences and such, and the commands to love and to fear and how God is talking to Israel. And uh, we had, uh, somebody, uh, some friends had asked the question, well, what about God speaking to the Gentiles? Surely he had spoken to his creation before Sinai. And so we, we had a little look at uh, the seven laws of Noah, the, this, uh, the commands that God had given Noah in Genesis 9. And so here's a rendition of our discussion from last week. So God has been directing Moses to teach the people Prior to the conquest of Canaan, Moses has reiterated the Ten Commandments, introduced monotheism, declared the Shema, instructed us to both love and fear, although in the sense of of awe, the Lord. Many of these commands were for Israel, particularly some commands for the sons of Aaron, very particular. But what about other peoples and nations. Is not God the king of the universe? Has he not spoken to Gentiles too? What about the seven laws of Noah, the laws before Sinai? How do they compare to the Ten Commandments? So we had a discussion. The Noahide laws are derived from God's commands to Noah in the new world following the flood in Genesis 9. And a literal reading of the text does not produce the seven laws of Noah as you can look on an uh, uh, internet list or something. We, 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 did, we did a literal reading of Genesis 9. There is the command to multiply and fill the earth. There are new dietary laws to enable the eating of anything, with the exception of blood. Murder, even by animals, is prohibited with the instigation of the death penalty. The second commandment, there's a second command to multiply upon the earth, 
There's a covenant with creation and the sign of a rainbow. What is presented in Genesis 9 does not include the Sabbath, does not include honoring parents, nor any rules covering jealousy or lying. Why not? So any discussion that we would have will be argued from literal silence and involve interpretation. For example, and we had a few discussions, does God uh, not instruct, why does God not instruct Noah in honoring of parents? Therefore, conclusion, Gentiles can have dysfunctional families. Well, of course not, but God had a perfect opportunity to tell Gentiles about the Sabbath, and then he didn't. Thus, the Sabbath is not as important as anybody suggests. God commands Noah to multiply and fill the earth, but does not instruct him in how to do that. There is no command to actually marry as any part involved in the multiplication. All this is added by interpretation and Jewish tradition. Ooh, can we do this? Yes, of course. And as part of our discussion, I noted that uh, as an Anglican, we have a guy called Richard Hooker, who was an Anglican theologian of the 16th century, who coined the phrase scripture, tradition, and reason as the pillars to biblical scholarship and interpretation. At some point, one does have to use one's brains when looking at the text. Genesis 9 is a good example of, of that. We noted that in the book of Jubilees, chapter 7, verses 20 to 28, that there was an early reference to the seven laws of Noah, uh, as does chapter 3 of the Didache, which is an early Jewish Christian document relating to the beliefs and practices of the early church. We also noted that in Acts 15, we had several, four of the laws of Noah given to Gentiles mentioned. The discussion about laws pertaining to Israel and to those of the nations had been a constant, consistent discussion during the Second Temple period. That uh, during the Second Temple period, people, the Jewish people have been discussing um, what laws are given to us and what laws are given to the Gentiles. And you can see the seven laws of Noah or what become known as that begin to appear in Jewish literature, including early Jewish Christian literature. The commandments for Israel are to love and to fear the Lord. This is uh, the tail end of uh, chapter 6. The uniqueness of Israel is not in their dietary laws, nor their clothing or their culture, rather in the statement of verse 15, God is among you. A holy God dwelling with a holy people about to enter a holy land. This should result in a community of obedience. But how do you guard against the seduction of success and power? Remember in chapter 4, uh, Moses had said, you're going to go into the land, you're going to succeed, and then you're going to go into idolatry. So success was actually going to produce failure. How do you guard against that? In the future, in Mo when parents are asked by their children, why do we observe these certain laws and statutes? The reason given was to recount sacred history. Memory is to be the defense against success which leads to idolatry. The reward of obedience at the end of chapter 6 will be righteousness. This is a difficult passage for many Christians as the text seems to imply a work's righteousness. However, as part of our discussion, I would argue that the biblical way to address the context is that obedience and righteousness work together. 
as they do in the New Testament, which we see in Hebrews 5, verse 9. So that was a, uh, a summary of our discussion uh, from, from last week. Okay, any questions about our... Did I miss anything out? No? Okay, so then let's have a look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, because it's uh, on Zoom, then normally when we were sitting around a table, we would go around the table, take it verse by verse. It would not matter uh, what translation we were using. It wouldn't matter what language we were using. Uh, God can speak all languages. God understands all translations. Uh, but for interest of podcasts, I'll just read it. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get, get my boring voice for a while. Okay, so reading chapter 7. So follow along in whatever version you're reading, but also get the opportunity to listen uh, to the text, noting if there's anything that jumps out at you, uh, if there's anything there that uh, you've never noticed before or something that you always notice every time you read uh, Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 7 verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Uh, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols in fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Therefore, Take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you and increase your, your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine, and olive oil the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks in the land he swore to your ancestors to give. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. 
The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict on them all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods, for they will be a snare to you. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the, the hornet among you, even until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give you their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you, or you will destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in fire. Do not covet the silver and gold on them. Do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you like it, you will be set apart for this, or you like it will be set apart for destruction. Regard it as vile and utterly detested, for it is set apart for destruction. Oof. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. So on a um, surface initial reading, what's your initial impression? Is there anything there that jumps out at you? Anything there that you, that you need? Yes. I would like to share with a verse six and seven. It's yeah. really out, out of you know, the, all the verses. It says that the two keywords, I will chose you, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it says a six, you are my personal treasure. Yep. This is the word. I really like it. And he <laughs> said the affection, uh, verse seven, yep. uh, he, he was not because you were more numerous than all the other peoples, but he set his affection on you and has chosen you. And you were the fields of all the peoples. I think this is a very outstanding word. God has set his affection on these people and to be his treasure. And I think uh, all the Old Testaments can be, we can echo into the New Testament, which means we are out of Egypt as believers and we are God's chosen. We are, we are his treasure and he has affection on us. And I, I really love this two words. Very, very treasure, beautiful words, Amen. A treasure and affection. Amen. Yeah. Yep. I, th I think for me, Aaron, what yep. stands out here is, 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 is the emphasis on sanctification, being set apart. Okay. Amen. I think uh, it seems the Lord is emphasizing the fact that Israel is his people set apart like we are, and he's emphasizing how holy he is. Yeah. And 
ultimately the key word is obedience, I think. So, yep, there's a key word there obedience, beautiful words, treasured possession. Uh, loved you because you weren't the strongest, but the smallest. Yeah, some great, great stuff. Anything else there that jumps out or stands out or is. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't previously registered this in um, verse 14 where it says, there shall not be male or female barren among you, amongst your livestock, you know, if, you, if you obey. I, it's just the, talking about male barrenness is not normally what is mentioned in the scriptures. It's normally something that's considered to be a problem for women. Yes, and then the men are going to have it too. <laughs> but he's promising it positively both, both ways. Yeah, and, yes. and, also, and also in the very last verse, it seems that uh, what is emphasized in the New Testament, you cannot put the Lord God alongside Belial. Yes, you cannot. No, you will not. You will not stand another God. Um, yes. Okay. Um, I have just to um, emphasize on verse nine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, my name is Oche. That's the first time I'm joining this um, this um, study. Welcome. Um, where, where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Okay. Hi, shalom, brother. Shalom. Yeah, shalom to you. Yeah, to shalom. The, to the, yeah, thank you. All right, from verse 9, it kind of um, emphasizes the name of God, uh, that um, God introduced himself to Moses in um, Exodus. He said, No, therefore, that Adonai, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant kindness to for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his misvote, but repays those who hate him to their face to annihilate them. He will not hesitate with, with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you are to keep the commandment, both the statutes and the ordinances that I'm commanding you today to do them. Um, it's it's, it's uh, what God emphasized to Moses um, when Moses wanted to know him, wanted to experience him. Um, and here again, uh, Moses is um, summarizing it before the people yep. and um, to bring to their consciousness who, who God is again. Yeah, it's yep. very um, exciting. And, and the two sides of God, which is there is yes. the loving bit. Yeah. And then there's this other one, and it causes some tension because in the, in the last, like, like the two chapters, chapter 5 and chapter 6, We've had some beautiful commandments about how a, 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 a people of God, a just, humane society would actually live and how they would relate to each other. We have the commandment to love God, the blessings that come from that, the, the instructions to fear the Lord. And now all of a sudden, what do we get in chapter 7? Uh, Kill everyone. We're yeah. getting <laughs> um, okay. genocide. Yeah. I think they call love, it. Love the Lord your God, fear God, oh, and kill everyone. Fear God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keep the Sabbath. Uh, you'll have lots of kids, but kill everyone. And and this <laughs> can cause it, it, it's in the text, and it needs to be discussed because yeah. our, um, our uh, the people who don't like. God, the people who don't like Christianity, can look at these texts and say, oh, man, look at what type of God you believe in. What kind of God goes and kills people uh, and, and commands um, systematic destruction? I mean, this is impartial, you know, not kill all the men, you know, all the men over the age of 30 because they're all worried. <laughs> kill the kids. 
and this is this is this is something that we have to wrestle with. It is part of sacred scripture, and uh, and we shouldn't run away from it. We should absolutely. We should we should actually run towards it. We should say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? Um, what are you saying? What does this reveal about your character? What does this reveal about the character of the people that are here? Uh, and how do I uh, relate? Uh, and so we have to acknowledge that, in, particularly in this in this text, we're going to encounter some tension between loving and fearing the Lord and uh, and the command to to destroy. Um, and so we acknowledge initially that Israel does have sacred texts that do sanction extreme action, and that the book of Deuteronomy, in terms of like the Torah, is the most violent of the four books. Okay? Uh, in, in, yes, in Genesis, we flood and destroy the world. Okay, that's pretty violent. And in Exodus, we do wipe out every firstborn. That's pretty violent. And we get to just drown Pharaoh and his army. Yep, that's pretty violent. Now when we get into, uh, into Deuteronomy, it's go and invade and make sure you kill everyone. And, um, and that's extreme. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and so we have to acknowledge that it's there. And uh, um, not many other nations in history have sacred texts that say this. For example, we don't find uh, in Roman culture sacred Roman texts that say, go these sons of Romulus and Remus and annihilate the villains from Carthage. Um, we don't have those kinds of things. They might have done it. But we don't. There were plenty of speeches in the Senate saying that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But we don't have a we don't have a sacred text that says, "Oh, look, we've got a piece of Bible that says we should do that." There is a religion today that does have that in their sacred text. What is it? Islam. Yay! I'm glad somebody could actually say it out loud. Yes, we there, there, we also have it in the Bible. It is true. But there also is another group of people. Uh, with with some sacred texts of, of their nature that command them to do exactly the same. Um, however, Aaron, just one thing I just comment on that those examples you gave earlier of disasters, like obviously the the flood, and then you have the the death of the firstborn and the drowning of the armies. These are actions of God, uh, or they could be regarded as natural disasters, but but claimed to be the direct action of God. Right. But now this, is, this one is uh, different in the sense that God is commanding his people to uh, act without mercy regarding Correct. the inhabitants. So it could be argued in a different, I mean, that there are still plagues and there's still disasters, natural disasters. And in a sense, we understand that you can take that issue up, to, up with God. But this is, uh, I think, kind of in a bit of a different category. Yes, I agree, 100%. And um, also, uh, as part of the discussion, you know, God's going to say, go in and invade. Um, uh, when Israel goes in and fights, are any Israelites going to die in this battle? Well, yes. I mean, this isn't going to be a one-sided, well, we just march in and we're all superhuman, we're all bulletproof, uh, there's no kryptonite against us, we'll just win. Yeah. Um, what we're going to happen is people are going to get into the trenches and they're going to have to fight and some of the good guys are going to die. 
and uh, that can create well, that can create a learning opportunity, but it can also create uh, you know something that needs to be talked about. Um, if God has done miraculous things in the past, why is He now asking His people to do uh, this this right now? There's a lot to learn for us as believers. Lot to learn for us as uh, soldiers of the Messiah, per se. Um, uh, and uh, but it's also going to be it's also going to be coupled with love, fear, and obey. It's all part Aaron. of can, yes. can I inter Can I interject something, Aaron, if you don't yeah. mind? Go right ahead. Um, sorry, in verse 22, it strikes me exactly what uh, Annette was speaking about. Is It says that uh, they're only going to be able to take the land piecemeal, bit by bit, right? Yeah, little by little. And little by little. And, and what's going to happen is if they took the whole land at once, the Lord would consume them with wild beasts, right? Yep. Now, what, what strikes me in that is this, this promise actually follows through because when Israel goes into captivity, right, and, and Samaria is, is filled with Assyrians, right? Yeah. The Lord sends in a whole bunch of wild beasts to consume them. Yeah. And, and what happens is they have to go and find a priest, a Levitical priest, to come back and tell them the ways of the Lord to stop that. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, weird. And we create, and we create Samaritans, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that verse, actually, when I read the text um, a couple of days ago, I was struck by, wow, animals are even worse than humans, you know? <laughs> God, God not so worried about, you know, Jebusites being around. He's worried about, oh, my gosh, if you wipe out the Jebusites too fast, you know, the wolves will get you. You know, you really got to watch out for these wolves, man. You know, all the, the lions and the tigers or whatever, whatever well, no tigers around you, but um, uh, uh, bears. There you go. You've got some bears. All right. Okay, so let's let's have a look at uh, Aaron. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Roddy. Okay. As we're exploring and discussing this uh, horrible, evil God of the Old Testament and His <laughs> orders, we might yeah. want to might want to keep in mind who are these people? What are their lifestyles? Who do they worship? Yep. What did they do that he's exterminating? Yep. So we got to keep that in there. Keep that in mind. Yep. And the reason being because the last book of the Bible that I read, Revelation, does the same thing. And, uh, <laughs> Yeshua comes back. Yep. It's not going to be a pretty picture. And we are going to, we, us, if we're with him, we will be doing the same killing, murdering, striking down of everything that is not of him at that same time. So to differentiate that there's this God of the Old Testament that's evil, and yep. then we've got this new loving baby Jesus, right. I, I think that's completely wrong. We need to really I, think I about think these I, things. Yes, I'm 100% sure everyone here agrees with you, Roddy, on that. Um, Just the people that are out there listening, they don't. I, no, I know. Uh, I'm sure. But we, we have to, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about it. We have to <laughs> wrestle with this text because it's there. And uh, as anybody knows, particularly at, at Christchurch, um, we love to run into these the, the, the kind of tensions to say, okay, oh, you find yes. yourself a contradiction? Oh, no, we're right there. We're ready to, to talk about it, and we're not going to run away. But yeah, Welcome, Jim John. Sorry? Yeah, to that, Robert. Thank you, Rod. Yeah. Okay, appreciate Robert. it. So, Bernardo, you got a comment? Yeah, uh, what I found two things interesting was that we're speaking about um, women and men but Yah doesn't specify right here who are the soldiers or who are the warriors, right. like specific age for men or if women are included, stuff like that. 
Yeah. And then this. We don't, have, we don't have the army breakdown. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And second is that in this version that I'm reading right now, it only has verse half of verse four in red letters in the whole chapter. Meaning that's supposedly the words of Jah himself. Okay, do not give your daughters to the sons of this, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. Yeah, right there, there. until until right there. Yeah. yeah. And the Lord's anger will burn against you. Yeah. 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 So that's um that's definitely uh uh that's that's the warning. The the warning is if you if you do if you if you uh, associate with these people, you'll forget me. And and remember the in Deuteronomy, the biggest defense that Moses is trying to give the people as they go in and conquer, knowing that they're going to win, because God says, I'm going to give you this land. Yes? yes. But, but he also says, you know, you, it's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to have houses that you didn't build. You're going to have vineyards you didn't plant. You're going you're gonna to eat from crops you didn't plant. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you'll forget God. And so the way to defend against forgetfulness is, of course, memory. And, and, and so you're constantly getting in Deuteronomy, remember, remember, when your son asks, why do we follow these crazy laws, God, uh, Dad? I don't understand. We, uh, the Gentiles don't do it. Well, then, he, then you've got to say, um, uh, I, I'm doing this because, of, because God took me out of Egypt. He brought me into this land. One of the interesting uh, uh, parts of the last words of Moses is his constant reference to Israel to say that you're not the original inhabitants. Right. right? But it's not just to Egypt, right? We have to go back because he mentions our ancestors, ancestors our fathers. Correct. Meaning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Correct. In most, in most other traditions, now again, generalization, but in most ancient traditions and some modern, people, the, the theological or the way that they would uh, create their own narrative is the earth gave birth to them. They were the original inhabitants of the land. Okay, the Greeks were always in Greece. The Romans were always in Rome. Right. And, uh, you know, the Babylonians, well, we, we, Babylon, we, we literally, you know, spontaneously generated from out of the rock. This is our territory. Um, whereas in, in, uh, in and, and a lot of the ancient uh, indigenous cultures of you know, Africa, Canada, America, Australia, you will find in their thing, you know, they, they've always been there. Which is actually not true. Okay. And yet for Israel, for Moses' speech, as he's sending them into the land, he says, you just remember, you were never born here. You're, you're, you're coming in. This is an inheritance. Yes, you're an inheritance for God. This land is an inheritance for you. But do not think that you got this by yourself. Don't think that you that you've mm. always been here before. You've got to tell yourself and you've got to tell your son. We came from Egypt. Our father came from Chaldea. Where was my original ancestor? He was a wandering Aramean. And you tell it at Passover, you tell it uh, uh, here. So it's a very interesting 
thing that, that Moses is doing. He's going against the, the predominant culture. Remember, so who do you think was that wandering Aramean? Uh, Avraham, the wandering Aramean, right? Aramean. No, correct. Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Okay, well, whichever. Okay, Jacob. But either way, the point was he wasn't indigenous, right? He comes from somewhere else. So, Aaron, what you what you're saying, Aaron, is that the Lord from the beginning has set us up to be sojourners. Sojourners, and, yeah. and because because ultimately our home is not even. Eretz Israel, it's to come from Yeshua. Well, the, at the end the, of the new, the new Jerusalem, as it were. Right. Which still comes to earth. Yes. The, the, no, I'm, I, yes. But yes. To, until there, that point, we are sojourners, right? Correct. And, and, uh, and so the, for the children of Israel, the, the land is still an inheritance. There is still a land and it is still an inheritance. Yes. And, and they are an inherited people. And, yeah. and God, like us, you know, he's constantly choosing a group of people who were never his, you know, that have no original right to be here, uh, but yet, yet we can. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and so, so what Moses is doing is he's doing a very interesting take on, on, on everything. He's going against every other piece of modern culture. The Egypt that they had came from, they had, they had um, a fixation with death. You know, you buried your kings inside tombs, these massive monu monuments. You had a death cult, uh, but, and, and you had dynasties. You get to Moses, and there's no famous burial. There's no uh, massive death cult. No one even knows where to bury, right? And yet, no one remembers the, the pharaohs of Egypt, but everybody remembers Moses. Okay, you know, so, you know, the last of first and the first of last. Amen. You humble yourself, you'll, you'll be exalted. And, and for, for Moses, he's sitting there with a group of people whom he's been journeying around with them for 40 years in the desert, and we're still struggling trying to figure out what they've been learning because they ain't been learning much. Okay? Yeah, we, we, we discover that they're not even circumcised yet. You know, I mean, what, what, what is Aaron and the priest doing in the tabernacle? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and he has to reiterate the, the commandments of God and he has to make sure that he places it on their heart because they're so forgetful. And then he's, and he's, and he's so strong in saying the defense against the seduction of power, and it's seductive. Uh, who was that guy who said um, absolute power corrupts absolutely? Uh, uh, Lord Aston, I think. Lord, yeah. Lord Aston. And, um, and he was correct. And Moses, you know, thousands of years ahead of time, knew this problem, said, listen, when you're successful, it's, it'll, it's very seductive. So I need to put inside these people a memory where they tell themselves. Oh, I thought you were actually recording yourself on television. No, no, no. Hello, little one. <laughs> so this now she is sharing your cellular. Okay, so let's have a look at uh, verse right. one. Later. So the Lord your God is going to bring you into the land. Okay, so again, this, this concept that, that you're not original inhabitants, you're coming into the land, but it is an inheritance, and you are entering to possess. So it wasn't yours, but now it is, okay? And, and, and drive out before you many nations. And then we get this list. And there are, there are seven, okay? Uh, Hittites, uh, where do they originally come from? Turkey today. Yep, that's right. So the sort of Turkish Empire, the Hittite Empire has migrated south. 
So there's, there's clans of them now hanging out in, in southern Canaan as well. Girgashites, okay. Um, uh, these ones hang around uh, the Galilee, okay. Uh, uh, we get uh, hints, remezes of that still in the New Testament. Uh, Genesia, places like that, is named after the Girgashites. Uh, the Amorim are still there, okay. Parts of them were on the uh, eastern side, now parts of them were on the western side. They had a particular penchant for um, making an alliance with the fallen uh, remnant of the fallen angels. Canaanites, descendants from Canaan, okay, which is the, uh, the as part of the Noah experience, uh, chapter 9, which we didn't read last week. Noah uh, has his little incident with wine, and it says Ham comes in and sees his father's nakedness, and then Yapheth and Shet put, a, put a, a cover on him. And then the curse is, cursed be, who is it? Cursed be Canaan. Canaan. Not Ham. Yeah. Not Ham, Canaan. He said descendants of Ham. Yes, it's um, not. It's, a, it's cursed be Canaan. Yeah. And so yeah, you yeah. get this, they're like, why, why, why are we cursing this dude for? We had done nothing. And, um, and yet, um, and so, you know, when we're going to correct the situation, we're going to invade Canaan. Right? So the beginnings and ends often uh, in the Bible co co uh, come together. Okay? Uh, the uh, Perizzites, uh, we're going to, the Hivites, and ooh, the Jebusites. Well, where, where do those guys live? In the middle. <laughs> in Jerusalem. <laughs> well, that's potentially one of their cities. Okay? And, um, and yet, we know that uh, when David conquers Jerusalem, what is the one thing he doesn't do to the Jebusites? Kill them all. He doesn't. That's correct. Because we end up actually buying property from them. And, uh, but anyway, we, 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 they're there. And uh, in, they're included in this list. Um, yeah. that, that list that you've got there for me it's quite interesting if you look at some of the meanings behind these names and maybe yeah. more on a spiritual level like Hittite can imply fear Okay. Um, the Amorites can imply a rebel and bitterness so it looks okay. like it could be these spiritual things that we have okay. to destroy in our lives uh, yes there you go that could be a, a one level of, of reading this text and uh, in Jewish exegesis, what would be the correct answer? The answer is? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so yes. We should also look at the spiritual strongholds that were coming into attack. Right? Of fear, of, uh, of whatever these, these, these meanings. Uh, and also, when we, when we talk about the Amorites, it, it brings into recollection because of one thing you said. You said the, the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible will always correlate with each other. Um, during the um, sacrifice of the pieces, when Abraham went through the, um, the midst of the sacrifices, remember one of the things the Lord said to Abraham was that the time of the, Arab, uh, of the Amorite is not yet yeah. uh, because your children shall come in the fourth generation. Yeah. And um, that gives us a picture of who these guys are. That um, these guys, they are not just, um, God is not just pronouncing a judgment on them for people just to come and kill them. Yeah. That they have actually been doing something very bad that, um, that is deserving um, of, of, of that kind of judgment. 
in the uh, in that in the, the that's Genesis 15 that you're referring Genesis to. Genesis 15, yeah, Genesis 15, yeah. Where the Lord works uh, walks there, and and you're right. He mentions all these nations, and in his in his mention to Abraham, he mentions ten. By the time by the time he mentions ten nations, mm-hmm. by the time we're down to the actual invasion, three of them have been already been wiped out, but we've got we've got seven left. Okay, um, uh, the list is the same except uh, there's. Uh, the Kenizzites, the Kadomites, and the Kenites are not there. Kenites, Kenizzites, and Kadomites. There's three other nations that yeah. were, were there, had, had, had disappeared. By had, uh, had disappeared by the time of the yeah, yeah. exodus. Yeah. And, and, and you can't go in yet because their evil hasn't quite reached its fruition. Yeah, yeah, Which is Absolutely. a very, very interesting Aaron, Aaron, was Joshua a Kenite? Joshua? I mean, uh, what, what was his ancestry? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Joshua. he said Joshua the Kenite, didn't it? Uh, I could be wrong. No, 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 no. Joshua was. Uh, um, I thought. I thought he was a Kenite. Joshua, he's a Kenite. No, Caleb. Jacob. Caleb, Caleb, okay. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb is the one who's actually uh, a gentile. I, Sorry, I Caleb. Think, yes, I think Joshua is from Ephraim, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. Then there must be Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Joshua's an Ephraimite, and Caleb yeah. is the is the uh, uh, ring in. Yes. But, uh, but isn't it interesting? We're always getting ring ins. Right? Yes. Yes. Mm. So you know, David's going to have a Hittite soldier friend, and, and we find it. Yeah. Um, which, which again, once again, describes that God's always desire is for Jews and Gentiles to, to live and work together. Uh, absolutely. Always. Yeah, always. Um, and, of course, in the New Testament, we, we, we know this as uh, uh, the way we describe it is the one new man. One new man. But it's always still been the Jew and Gentile together. Because God is within the universe. Okay. So these nations which we're about to invade, they're larger and stronger, okay? What sort of great pep talk is this? But it's obviously true. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, so there's this duopoly in, uh, in who's actually going to be doing the fighting here, okay? You've got God is going to deliver them to your hand, but you're going to have to defeat them. A bit of, bit of both going. You must ooh, destroy them, okay? And uh, you must uh, destroy them totally. Okay. Um, how do we understand this? I think we've already hinted at it a little bit, is that these nations in some way have angered the Lord. Because uh, in, verse, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the passages that uh, Ling Ling had mentioned, which is um, 9, 9 and 10. 6 and 7. Yeah, oh yes, 6 and 7, but also a bit, bit further on, sorry, 9 and 10. Um, he is a faithful God to a thousand generations to those who love him, but to those who hate him, he's going to repay. So there, there seems to be something about these nations and their, uh, their hatred for the Lord. We don't know because we don't have any of their writings. We don't have their... Uh, society, we have what's recorded in, in the text, the Bible, the victors, which don't record a lot. Um, but uh, there is something there that, that these, 
in, in, in the spiritual term, as uh, Vida had mentioned, these emotions are against the Lord. These uh, fears, these, these things, these spirits are against the Lord. Uh, and God doesn't like them. They have to be defeated. In the natural, these nations, whatever, whoever they were, and their hatred of, of God resulted in their utter uh, destruction. Aaron? In the, in the last point, as mentioned by our brother from Nigeria, is that God had been quite patient with them and had waited for their offense to reach its zenith, whatever that was. And I think the scary thing is we don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not like, oh, I can offend the Lord nine out of ten, but don't worry, I'll stop at nine and then I shall repent. We don't know what that ceiling limit is, right? And so you, you, you're constantly brought to, to the admonition, repent, right? And uh, okay, uh, Aaron, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ling Ling. Yes. Aaron, in the Old Testament, uh, see, the God seems very dominating, uh, using his authority to decide life and death. So he wants to kill those people, tell them you cannot keep them alive. I think there is a reason because of falling anger among you know, the principality of the evil, really dominating the whole world. And that time, in the Old Testament time, we have no way to really against them. We have no power to overcome them. So for those who are occupied by the evil spirit totally against God's purpose, right. for moving a new nation, new generation, for building up a new person, he has to do such a very absolute uh, action about killing them off one by one. Don't okay. leave them alone. I think okay. this might be the reason. And that's how the people can be sanctified, totally belong to him. So he was in the position to choose, pick up those who that he wants them to be okay. alive. Can I say that? I don't know. Sure, sure. Very interesting. <laughs> God is so powerful in the Old Testament time. Yeah. And he wants to kill them. And uh, wow. Well, Sometimes when, yeah. Something very about hard to understand. particular nations, it could also yes. just be their location vis-a-vis -vis yes. their hatred of God. Because notice, you know, God gets his people out of Egypt. What does right. he, and God smites Egypt, but what does right. he not get Israel to do to Egypt? To be sanctified. No, he doesn't he, turn, he say, turn around and invade Egypt and wipe yeah, all of them out. So we leave the Egyptians. Already. And he, he says, don't go to Moab, don't go to Ammon, like, you know, skirt around these nations, you know, don't, don't interact with them. Make sure you kill Og and, and Sihon. Okay, we've got we to kill those guys. Okay, so we wipe them out. <laughs> and uh, don't, don't go north, you know, Syria, stay away from them. But, but when you get to Canaan, wipe everybody. So yeah. there are particular groups... Mm. Right, but then there's then there's the rest of the community where God says no, don't 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 do that. So it is something we have to wrestle with. It's something we can wrestle with both in the natural and in the spiritual. Right. It is a it is a um, uh, a sacred text. At the end of the day, God is is very clear to His people. Says, please don't associate with them. Right. Right. Because when, when you get in, marriage. yes, don't marry them. Make no treaty with them. Um, which is something that obviously nations love to do. They love to make treaties and do trade. Show them no mercy. You know, you've got this um, 
this uh, that don't have a, any moral distinction, uh, don't don't marry them in, in, with their sons or their daughters, and then you get that that warning because if you do, then they will turn your children away from me. Not you, yeah. right? You're looking into the future. You're looking into into your children. Now, isn't that Aaron? Aaron, sorry. Can Aaron, talk, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, oh, go right ahead, brother. When you spoke about the nine out of ten, how, how, talking to the Lord God, obedience, etc. Uh, I was just thinking of, of King Hezekiah. What strikes me about him as a king, it said that he clung to God, yeah. and the Lord God prospered him wherever he went. Now, I wonder in this chapter 7, if that's what the Lord is also emphasizing, you need to cling to him. Yeah, to obey him. Yeah, because it's going to have it's going to have a generational effect. Yeah. Our obedience or lack of our the way we instruct our children is going to have an effect on our families. And uh, would it be that we as a community could learn that sooner rather than later? Yeah. Um, here, the the warning is. Don't marry them. Don't make treaties with them. Don't don't start having compassion on these guys. Um, not because I'm so worried about you guys. I mean, you've you've already seen the manna. You've seen the fire. You've, you've had the tabernacle. You've done. You know, you've smashed some giants already in the east. I'm worried about your kids, the ones who are not going to do any of the fighting, the ones who are not going to be part of the invasion, the ones who are just going to grow up, and with everything given to them. Oh, what type of generation is that? It's the current one, right? Okay, you know, where the, the, our forefathers worked hard, right? They didn't have the cell phones. They didn't have the dynamic trade we've got going on right now. Um, and they worked the land and they produced food. And so, so suddenly we can go to the shops and buy bananas all year round, not just whenever they're seasonal. Uh, and our young are growing up and they're forgetting where this came from. And they've turned their back on God. And, uh, and it's interesting that the blessings, you know, God says, you know, if the, part of the way I'll, you'll know that I'm blessing you is you'll be fertile. You're going to be fertile. Your, 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 your kids are going to be fertile. Your cats are going to be fertile. Your dogs, you know, gonna, everything's going to be fertile. I think there's lots of kids. You get to the current age and what's happening is we've turned our back on God and we're not fertile anymore. Right? Abortion's running rampant. We're killing all of our kids and everybody's um, fertility rates are declining. We've just stopped. And, 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 uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. But um, you know, God is concerned about the next generation. Um, your children will turn away from me. And because of that, God will get angry. And there is that side of the Lord which we have to understand and have to be reminded against uh, about um, uh, the the God that is presented by the world today, or or some sections of of the world, is that God is only a God of love, and it doesn't matter what you do. There's no there's no um, reward or punishment. Not really, uh, um, uh, and you know. That's not a true character, not a true representation of the Lord. If you had a friend 
who actually didn't care what you did ever, then you would, you would quickly come to the conclusion that person is not really your friend. Right? And, and, and God is the same. In fact, he's even more so. Uh, so in, in verse uh, 4, uh, making, uh, making relationships with these people that God doesn't want us to have a relationship with will affect our children. They will serve other gods, although we discovered in verse 4 that there are no other gods. Um, and the Lord's anger will, will burn. And there'll be this, this uh, nasty consequence. Um, and so you get uh, in verse 5, um, you get the principle of absolute victory, right? The principle of battle when, when, for the Lord is absolute victory, not partial victory, total victory. So what are we going to do? We're going to break down their altars, we're going to smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols, right? Um, what is all this to do with? It's all to do with religion. Right? You, you don't get uh, march in and do a scorched earth. I want you to set fire to their crops. I want you to, you know, uh, you know rape all the women and, and uh, bash the houses down and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and set fire to the marketplaces. The, the, it's all to do with smash their gods, get rid of their false religion. You know, there's, there, there is to be no other, other, other idol in, in my presence. Yes, when uh, you read the stories of, uh, in, Jer in Joshua, actually there's very few cities that were burned. Obviously yeah. Jericho was destroyed and that was, yeah. uh, the, the Lord was putting down a marker there. Right. And then places like Hathor uh, burnt, but there's, but the archaeologists who at one time were looking for destruction layers couldn't find them. That's because they didn't read the scriptures well enough. Yes, and it, and it led, <laughs> it's true. No, Neville's right. The, in archaeology, you, in, in Israel, you discover that in, in the invasion period, there doesn't seem to be a lot of destruction events. Okay, there's a bit of Megiddo, there's a bit of Chatzor, there's obviously Tel Jericho, and uh, one or two other places. Um, and it led to a belief in the secular uh, community, which is out there, that, that there was no invasion, that actually Canaanites just became monotheists all of a sudden. Has anyone heard of this theory? Yeah. Yeah. I was stunned when I was at Hebrew <laughs> University and, and I'm, I'm in a class, uh, I can't even remember the, name, the actual title of the class, but the professor, Yair Zakovich, walked into the class, Jewish professor, and stood in the middle of the classroom, held up his hands and says, I'm a Canaanite who has embraced monotheism. And that was his opening statement. And we're all sort of looking at him going, uh, no, I don't, get, I don't get what you're saying. What, what are you trying to say? And um, he, he, he was, was trying to say that, hey, look, we're just a bunch of Canaanites who decided to embrace monotheism, and one day we all decided to get rid of our gods, and then we rewrote the narrative. Um, but the same archaeological evidence also fits what's written on our pages here, is oh, that we burnt their idols, yes. We turned a paganistic society into a monotheistic culture. 
Uh, but we didn't destroy all their buildings. In fact, we lived in them. We didn't destroy their crops. Actually, we harvested them. And, you know, we didn't uh, uh, destroy all their cattle. Instead, we bred it and made them more. And, uh, and so the same, the same archaeological evidence can fit both streams. Um, and it was a biblical model. By step. What was that? It was done step by step. Correct. Not so, the Blitzkrieg. That's right. It wasn't the Blitzkrieg. No. It was a, um, it was a slow, a slow uh, invasion starting from the center and then spreading, spreading out. As the text says. Yep. As the text says. And so um, uh, when it comes to, if you're ever, ever discussing with a, a skeptic, particularly one who knows his biblical archaeology or his archaeology, his biblical archaeology then um, that might be one of the things that we come up against. All right. So why do we have to get rid of all this uh, pagan stuff? And uh, chapter, uh, verse 6, again, that beautiful verse that uh, pointed out by Ling Ling, because you're a holy people. Right? You're, you're a special people uh, for the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. And so there's this, this element of um, Israel is to be holy, God is holy, but Israel is to be holy, and so their conduct has to be holy, and they're called to live as a treasured possession, and you can't do that in amongst all this paganism. So you got to get rid of it. Okay, we the Egyptians, we're not going to worry about them. We're not going to worry about the Lebanese. We're not going to worry about uh, uh, the Assyrians. You know, but where we are, we can't have this syncretism. We can't have the coexistence. Mm -hmm. We can't have this uh, all, all roads lead to Rome. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't sit. Uh, God has a chosen people, uh, a holy people, a holy God and a holy land, and they're to act in a certain uh, and be a certain, a certain way. Um, and, uh, and, and they are a treasured possession. He's mentioned it in previous chapters. They're an inheritance. The land is an inheritance of Israel, but the people are an inheritance for the Lord. And God loves them as a treasure, as, as a delight. Okay. And uh, uh, verse 7, what do people's translations have? Mine has the word affection, which is nice. Affection. Yep, affection. affection. Yeah. Affection. Aria, you've got love. the Hebrew there, haven't you? Yeah, love. The actual word is love, but... Um, it's love. I've got love, yeah. In, in, English, nice. but in Hebrew, it's not Affection. ahava. It's um, another Affection. word. Affection, including a will to pick right. it up uniquely. Yeah. You know, affection, yeah. you know, affected to the heart. Really stuck the heart of God. And I want you, you know, if I have affection on someone, yeah, it's a, I it's cannot... I will get hold of it. I won't let go. It's a strong right? love. It's a strong love. Very stronger eight. than love. Right? I don't know. explicitly love. In, oh, in verse 8, in 7, it's not, though. Eight. 7 is desire. Yes, desire. Yes. Chashak bachem. Chashak bachem, that's it. Why did he chashak bachem? Why did he desire you? Because he had loved you, yeah. So it has this. The, 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 the words are there, but this the first bit, the desire, the affection, and he has this love. And, uh, I have a translation here that says preferred. Preferred? <laughs> Mine is set his heart. 
Set his heart. Set his heart. Right. Set his heart on you. Set his heart. Right. I really like affection. Anyway, the, 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 <laughs> it is a different word from love, but it leads into it. It creates the question. Yeah. And it's interesting that these verses appear in amongst death and destruction. We've just had the command, go out and kill everyone. Oh, but by the way, just, while, just so you know while you're doing this, you guys are beautiful. You guys are loved. You guys are a part of the object of, of, of my desire. And I really need you to be special. And I really need you to right. be good. And you're not allowed to chase these other dogs. You're not allowed right. to interact with them. It will right. seduce your children. Do you see Amen. the danger? And, uh, and so you get, you get this, um, this, this, this almost plea by the Lord. And he reminds his people, Israel, that you're not big and strong. You're a bunch of slaves. You are the fewest in number. No one cares about you except me. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this demonstrates again who I am as, as a God. And God say, I am jealous. I'm God. I'm uh, jealous. I'm jealous Amen. of my small little people who, who, uh, <laughs> who are slaves. Aaron, can I just add a thought pertaining to the, just the previous thing we we're looking at, which is to do with the reason why God is allowing them to clear up clear these uh, peoples out of the land and i'm referring back to leviticus chapter 18 okay leviticus and in the middle of that if, if you know what that is that's got a whole list of rather unsavory practices in it oh like, yes um, yeah, yeah. um you know no yeah not just adultery but bestiality and homosexuality yeah, yeah. and child sacrifice you know you shall not give any of your children to offer them to molech yeah. and then reading right. from verse 24 it says do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things for by all of these, the nations I'm driving out before you have become unclean and the land became unclean so that I punished its iniquity and the land vomits out its inhabitants. So actually in that section, the Lord is really clear at the kind of practices that have been building up over hundreds of years since he spoke to Abraham and it reached the tipping point. And so it's great that actually we, in the text we have clarity about what these what was going on there? Yes, yes, because uh, the, the, the verses ahead where, where, you know, if you hate the Lord, he's going to rain destruction on you. But, but it's clear in Leviticus, as Neville's pointed out, these people have engaged in something so horrible that, it, that the land itself, not just God, but the land itself also wants to get rid of them uh, and, uh, and, and will do so. Uh, and so... Uh, where are we in verse eight? But it was because the Lord loved you and has kept the oath, right? We, we'd mentioned this in a couple of chapters ago that God himself keeps oaths, okay? That he swore to your ancestors that the past actually has an effect on the present and your behavior in the present is going to have an effect on the future. Okay, and so the the constant uh, uh, appeal to what their ancestors have done, the patriarchs, and they're and they're still having a blessing and on the present. Uh, God has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. Again, this constant appeal to sacred history. Memory is our defence. Remember the things that God has done for us. I'm sure everyone right now, wherever you are probably tell me a really good story about what God has done for them. I bet you. And I bet it would encourage all of us. And then tomorrow we're going to encounter a problem and suddenly get nervous. 
but but why? We've just we've just told each other how wonderful God is and how much He actually can do stuff for us. And so memory is really important. It's really important we constantly remember how God has cared for us, cared for our families, uh, cared for our nations, uh, cared for the Jewish people, and uh, and so that and that and that will remind us what God is doing right now. That uh, He hasn't uh, uh, forget, forgotten that. Okay. Um, all right. So memory is really important. Also, let me, yeah, just to add in also on the line of from the last contributor. Um, one of the reasons God had to get rid of these people is because of his love. Um, it's very strange to understand it from that aspect because God loved these people. He needs to get rid of them because they are beginning to harm themselves. If we go to Psalm 136, you see, God says, and he, um, he took out Sion, the king of the Amorites, for his mercies. It's because yeah. of his mercies. And um, Ox, king of Basham, is because of his mercies. And, he, you know, he took out the, the firstborn of the Egyptians. It's also because of his mercy. And, you know, the word there is actually cursed. And, of course, we have different interpretation. Some say it's loving kindness or some say it's mercy. But it's a very, very deep thing that God had to do for these people to get rid of them because they were beginning to harm themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. All of that lumped together with what the nations have been doing, resulting in the, uh, the commander. During the invasion, you have, to, you have to make sure you get rid of these guys. Uh, so in verse 9, again, it's still part of uh, uh, the memory. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. Okay. I remember, remember the people have, have they've only now had a generation of people actually knowing the Lord. We had a group of people who didn't know God in Egypt, saved by God, who they didn't know very well, taken to Mount Sinai. They're introduced to their God, wander around the desert. That generation dies out. So we've got a new generation now who's beginning to know who God is. They've had a tabernacle. They've had priests. They've, they've had... Uh, the, the, the Torah haven't always done it, but you know, they've got it. So you, you know who, who God is. He's faithful. How do we know he's faithful? What has God done for these people every single day? Manna. Yes. And, and what has not happened to their clothing? Not worn out. That's yes, and, and, and they've, had, they've had their, they've had their guide. So you can, you can see it every day. He is faithful. He has never let you down. You've, you've already defeated giants. He keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations. That is a huge statement you know, um, for right now because we actually haven't had a thousand generations yet. Okay? Um, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting how, how long-lasting the Lord's love is. But juxtaposed that is, of course, is he also has an anger. So he is love and he, he loves those who keep his commandments. There is this element of obedience. Okay? Obedience is part of the relationship with God. It's not antithetical to it. It's not works righteousness. It's not any part of that. It's part of a dynamic relationship. Active. It was a nail on the cross. Sorry, the obedience was... It, it was not nailed on <laughs> the cross. It was, yeah, there you go, Bernardo. It was not nailed on the cross. It is a dynamic part of an active relationship with God, which is wrapped in love. And then there's this other side of the Lord, which we've been talking about. There's this, this bit that uh, those who hate him, those who hate the Lord, those who can't stand to have anything to do with God, and there's a lot of them, okay, which is very unfortunate. 
um, he will repay. Okay, he will repay, not up to us. You have to be very careful. We, we can't take these Bible verses and go, oh, good. You see, God demands that we go wipe people out. Let's go wipe people out. We've got you know, uh, divine sanctioned uh, uh, extermination mentioned in the Bible. You have a very limited divine sanctioned extermination of a very particular group of people who have done some pretty interesting things who live in a very particular area, which was heavily related, if you read Jubilees and Enoch, Right to angelic rebellion as well. Okay, so that's not devoid against each other. We're not wiping out Egypt. We're actually going to get them saved, particularly when the gospel of uh, when Mark the evangelist goes there. Okay, we're going to save a bunch of Lebanese. We're going to save a bunch of Syrians. Okay, we're not going to wipe them all out. Um, uh, but here, God does the repaying uh, to their face uh, by destruction. He will not be slow to repay. Uh, those who hate him, which, I mean, speed, time in relation to God, well, that's obviously different to us. Yes? I think we would all agree that God's timing is different to my timing. Does God work to your timing? Is the world going the way you thought it would? Uh, no, okay? But God's in total control. He's got this figured out. So our holy God is about to uh, call for his people uh, to do uh, a state, a divine sanctioned invasion of a particular area. They're going to be his soldiers. Um, why does God not protect all the soldiers? Why do some of them die, do you think? Anyone got any reason why that might happen? Which soldiers? Okay, so we're going to invade the land. Obviously, the inhabitants are going to fight back. Which means some of our guys are going to die. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, God says, go forth and you will be victorious. Okay. So I send 10 sons to battle. Seven of them come back. Yeah. We win. Yes. <laughs> I lose three boys. Why? What did they well, do? That's the nature of battle. Actually, I... In my experience, well, as I understand it, there's only one place in the Bible that said there was zero shedding of blood, or at least it implies, and that is when David fought Goliath, because the, they gave the place name Ephesdamim, meaning there zero blood, yes, zero. which is, a, I think, a rather one-sided assessment of the situation, but, <laughs> and, I don't think, and I don't think it ever happened again. In other words, they routed the Philistines from the land and didn't have one casualty. Yeah, that is a an price has to be paid. Something you you have to always give something up. Could if be. it's just given to you freely, then you're not really doing anything. Only time we see that is when God does it. Yeshua, He we do nothing for the salvation. Right. That's, that's the relationship we have to work. We have to give things up in order yeah. to be in the relationship. Could Two be. Yeah. yeah. Could be that. Could be, could be that. Um, yep. Yeshua's blood is the is the sacrifice done without out us. But when we when we spread the gospel around the world, when we go and work for the Lord, it hurts us too. Mm. Okay? We lose people um, every every day. You can click on on internet. Yeah, at the moment it's all about Corona. But before then, how many of our brothers and sisters are getting killed in in Africa or China or Latin America? Right, I mean. Aaron, so Aaron, maybe it's, maybe it's a bit like Isaac. Uh, 
in the sacrifice of his son, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is an understanding that God is eternal and that he's able to keep us living no matter what. Yeah. 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 yeah there could be that. And if, um, like, uh, what's that in, in, in the New Testament? Uh, what produces perseverance in character? And it's always amazing that sometimes, you know, we ask ourselves, why, why do our good friends die? And we've got, we got dying friends right now, right? We all have. I know you all, you all probably know some. And uh, we wonder why God doesn't heal them or, or something. But uh, uh, I, I, there was a, in the third or fourth century, in the third century, there was a girl, her name was Anne, I think, and she was a Roman citizen, 12 years old. And uh, they threw her to the lions because she wouldn't renounce Jesus. She was 12. And the crowd watched and they said, oh, my gosh, look, look what, what God uh, does she trust in so much that she will go and face this? I'm going to go believe that too. You know? and, uh, and so, yes, they're, they're, we, we go to face the enemy. Yeah, we do. We all face the enemy. We face him. We face the kingdom of darkness. And we will win. But along the way, it, we might get hurt too. There might be some casualties. There might be some suffering. But that doesn't mean... God's not in control. It doesn't mean the victory is not assured. It doesn't mean that the kingdom is not forcefully advancing. And uh, while it's not listed here of any of the casualties they might face, um, it's still going to happen. And, uh, um, and the, in verse 12, we're not worried about, or we might be worried about uh, our sons and daughters that go off to battle. But the, the, the commandment is in verse 12, 11, sorry. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, the decrees, and the laws I give you today. I still need obedience. Okay, I'm going to go fight. You're going to go fight. You're going to win. There could be some casualties. Don't intermarry with them. Don't, 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 don't get attracted to their gods. It'll affect your children if you do. Um, just stick with me. I'm full of love. And uh, there's a side of me you don't want to see, but the side that's the best part of me, the God of love, the God of grace, the one that, that, that uh, is faithful, and you've seen me be faithful, just, just have this relationship with me. Continue to, to have this relationship with me. I've got some things that I want to talk to you about, my decrees, my laws, my instructions. They're all good. And, uh, um, and uh, uh, yep. I think discipline in this scenario seems to me disciplining his people is the most expressive love of God in the wilderness, 40 years. Because when they came out from Egypt, there are all kinds of background. Right. So the wilderness exposed the human nature, manifests God's power, and in a way, seems the salvation come arrive on the scene. Maybe Christ is really the reality of all the expression in the Old Testament. In the, you know, like, a, like, like in, the, in the book of Leviticus, all the sacrifice and everything, refer to book of Hebrew. You know, Paul says all the things, all the Old Testament completed, embodied with the Christ. 
So the temple building, the tabernacle, the sacrifice, everything, is just God put it there to perfect his people. Because people, human beings, we are fallen nature. We were born without any choice to be better. So what can we do? We are hopeless. Well, so we God have to manifest in the, in the wilderness, yeah. human nature exposed. Sure. And Christ came to being. I hope this is the story of the Old Testament. Otherwise, why God need to discipline us? It's even more than that. You find this uh, fallen world, this hopeless nation of slaves that don't know God, but with the delight that God is among them, that God redeems them, that they are not the original inhabitants of this land, that they are going to be given this land. And I have to remind that, that Israel indeed serves a God of justice, that love receives love back. They love me and I'm going to be, and, and I'm loving back. And, and there's love that goes for a thousand generations. But hatred is also repaid. The, 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 the part of the world that hates God, the part of the world that rejects him, that actually gets repaid too, which, of course, we see in the final book of Revelation. Not, obviously, again, the nicest of books, but is also there. Just like this chapter, it's also there. And it describes, um, you know, that uh, love, love, love gets repaid by love, and um, hatred of God, unfortunately, also gets its repaid. And so we actually have a burden, brothers and sisters, do we not? We have. Yeah. Sorry, we have a burden. Our one of our yeah. burdens is to to go to those who have a hatred of God, of which there are many in this world, and make them lovers of God. Uh, and and. And uh, obviously we can only do that with the Holy Spirit, we do that with each other, we do that with the commandments of God, we do that with with power, signs and miracles, Um, and and we know that God wins. Along the way there might be some casualties, some of us might fall, but we can take it. Yes, I think we can. And and I think that uh, looking at the time, I think that without, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll have the rest, the, the other half of the book, Next uh, next week. Now next week we have Yom Hatzma'ut, isn't it? Yeah. Do you guys you do, you guys still want to meet together? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Why yes. not? I'm I'm going to admit I'm going to come in front of the camera all smoky and smelly and after having my barbecue, okay, uh, <laughs> and and with a glass of wine in my hand. But I will have a study, okay. All right. It, it, uh, you should also mix um, the joy of the Lord uh, with with the wrestling of His scriptures. I just wanted to comment one thing about the um, the charge of being strong and courageous. Yes, go that right it on. was just it was not just for for the battle. It was like when David charged Solomon to be strong and courageous and be a man. Yeah. To keep the Torah. Yep. Yeah, and, and it takes courage to obey, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Particularly, when you, particularly when you've got a world that looks at us and says, what, what kind of crazy laws are those? You, you should do whatever you want. I mean, it's almost you can hear Satan's lies in the garden again, can't you? You know? Um, don't, don't, don't get married. Just sleep around, you know? Don't. It's okay to embezzle a little money as long as you don't get caught. You know? there's a, there's a, there's a, all of that 
that, that lie from the enemy. And it takes a brave man to stand up and go, actually, uh, God's watching and I ain't going to do that. And, um, and I might not see my reward right now, but I know that it makes God happy. And that is almost enough as it is. And going back to Caleb, Wikipedia says that he was from the tribe of Judah. Really? And this, yeah, and, and, and the Bible says that later he's, he's, the, the, he's called the Prince of Judah. Yeah. He represents the tribe of Judah later on. He might, he might have um, uh, joined the tribe. Uh, it's yeah, fun. it's possible. Or mom was Canaanite and dad was Judah or something like that. that probably. There's, there's a few heroes that are like that. Yeah, and I definitely know Josh, that uh, Joshua is an Ephraimite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's clear. Yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of kings come from his line. All right, guys, brothers and sisters, thank you for wrestling the text. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.